0: Hey everyone, this is Kelsey Joe Hillis, photographer, entrepreneur, wife, mom, and recovering people pleaser. This is my podcast, Picturing Purpose, where I have transparent and meaningful conversations with people from all different walks of life. My hope with this podcast is that you find encouragement, lean on faith, and trust God's purpose for your life. So with that in mind, let's jump into this week's episode of Picturing Purpose. Happy Wednesday. Thank you all so much for your continued support with the podcast. Help us spread the word, share the podcast on your pages, and send the show to your friends. We appreciate every single person who helps us spread the word. You can donate to the show by going to kelseyjoephotography.com slash podcast. You can even set up reoccurring payments. Pledging $5 a month to the show can help us significantly. The show takes a lot of behind-the-scenes costs, but we know either way that God's hand is on this podcast and it will serve its purpose. We also have new t-shirts available in long-sleeve and short-sleeve options. Make sure you go to our social media pages to check them out and to order. Before I get into today's episode, if you or a loved one has ever dealt with sexual abuse or trauma, we do discuss a lot of emotional details. I definitely encourage everyone to listen to this episode, but if it's something you may not think you are ready for, please proceed with caution. Like I've said on past difficult episodes, you know yourself better than anyone. If you can only handle listening to a few minutes and want to pause and come back later, that is completely okay. The reason I encourage you to listen to this episode is because many people don't realize the open wounds they carry around from past sexual abuse, especially those of you that have never told anyone in order to keep the peace or to protect someone. Don't ever lose hope or don't ever believe you are too old to heal those wounds and to overcome your struggles due to past child sexual abuse. Thank you, Katrina, for being so brave to share your story with us. I know it wasn't easy, and I am proud of you for being so open and normalizing therapy for everyone. Katrina's story is inspiring and full of hope to anyone feeling like they could never open up to someone or stand up to a past abuser. Everyone's journey is different, and we all grow and heal in different paces and seasons of life. It's okay if you aren't ready yet, but I hope this episode plants a seed for the future. If you have any questions or want to reach out for resources, please do not hesitate to email me at picturingpurposepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Purpose Pleasers. This is Kelsey Joe with Picturing Purpose. Today's episode is with my friend Katrina. Katrina has a really awesome story that I heard recently. I haven't heard all the details yet, but... I wanted to get her on the show so that we could share her story and just kind of find out more about Katrina and her story and be able to hopefully reach the audience that needs to hear it. Maybe people that are struggling with coming out and talking about the things that they've been through in their life, uh, regardless of whatever it is, and just to be open to healing that part of themselves and to be open to telling someone about it. So, Katrina, can you say hi? Hi. (laughs) Um, Share a little bit of your, like, surface-level story, like um, how many kids you have and what you do for a living and all that.
1: Um, We're actually a blended family. Yes. So, we have six kids combined. Wow. And they are all between 12
0: and 16.
1: Three boys, three girls, so all, like, teenagers, preteens, and insanity.
0: Yeah. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> like I'm not ready. My I only have a four year old and a two year old and I'm I'm dreading the teenage years because uh, I wasn't a great teenager. So I'm yeah.
1: It's like give and take. So like, you know, when they're little they just need so much attention and then they need so much of your time and everything. And yes.
0: then,
1: you know, they get to be teenagers and they do their own thing, but then there's just other craziness that yeah, goes on. And yeah.
0: I, I, I'm going to have a lot of trouble with like my kids being like, mom, I don't want you here or yeah, like, you know, I'm going to be like, what? Why? well, I'm going to be there anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you like, know?
1: My son is almost 13 and he just is, you know, it's to the point now, like if I drop him off at school and I'm like, I love you. And he's like, just looks at me like, yeah, uh, why are you talking to me? <laughs> or like somebody Yikes. might hear you.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. So what, what do you do for a living?
1: Um, I work at Trenchless Lake Detection. It's uh-huh. actually here in Van Buren. Oh, cool. Uh, so I do the bookkeeping and
0: nice. office stuff
1: and marketing and whatever else needs to be done.
0: Nice. Shout out <laughs> to that place. Yes,
1: Trenchless. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Cool. And you're married?
1: I am. Uh, we actually are going to celebrate our seventh anniversary on Sunday. Oh, nice. Well, yeah. happy anniversary. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So. Katrina is also a CASA. Yes. So how long have you been a CASA?
1: For four years. Oh, nice. Actually, this month was four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And how has that been? You know, all all of the things, all mm-hmm. of the feelings, Um, very high highs and very low lows. I, I waited. I felt led to do something with kids. Um, yeah. Just from childhood and, and yeah. kind of overcoming that. And I thought about fostering for a long time, but the thought of having you know a child in my home that I love and care for, and then having them leave my home was just mm-hmm. a little too much for me. And then I was actually in leadership Crawford County and learned about CASA and was like, huh, this is it. And I mean, like from the first time I heard about it, I was like, okay, this is great. Um, this is what I need to do. And it's just really So, so important, I think, for the kids in those situations to have someone that is just for them, that's not interviewing them, that's not asking them a bunch of really hard questions or trying to, you know, I don't know, just having that person that's there in court for them and they can talk to them and and just represent them. Yes, somebody that, that listens to them and really just cares what's best for them and their wants
0: and their needs. I love that too. Have you had a lot of cases within your four years?
1: I have. This is actually my fifth case. Oh. Um, So, and I think that it's going to be closing soon.
0: Nice. With a very good result. So yeah,
1: um, yeah, it's been amazing and fulfilling Mm -hmm. and just everything that it could be.
0: Awesome. So let's get into your testimony. So, start off from the beginning like what what led you to be here to share your story too
1: okay um well so my biological father actually died in a car wreck when i was about two so my mom of course remarried later on and at about four or five years old my stepdad started to sexually abuse me of course as a child you don't really understand what it is or have a full understanding of that it's wrong or that it's bad or anything like that. And it went on for about seven or eight years Wow, on a regular basis. So, you know, it it wasn't, um, it wasn't somebody who just visited or who I was around every once in a while. I was around this person every single day. And so it's kind of almost like talking about somebody else's story still, because there's just so there's this child, Katrina, who, you know, suffered all these things. And then there's the adult Katrina who has overcome a lot and it has taken years and years and years, but I didn't. So it started about four or five and I, I didn't tell a single soul until I was about 11 or 12. And then at that point, I had two best friends that I had told, of course, at 11 and 12. Those girls didn't know what to do with that information. You know, that especially, you know, I've suffered the trauma, so I'm kind of more aware of it and understanding it. And they're like, oh, you know, and obviously at that point, I had asked them not to tell anybody and and they didn't. And there's a lot of people I think that would say, well, they should have or they, but Honestly, it was better for me. Even now, I can say it was better for me for it to be on my terms and right. not to have someone else take that and, and, and deal with it, especially not a child, because I don't feel like they should have had that responsibility of of telling someone or having to confront that, essentially. Right, right. And so around that time, the reason that I had actually ended up telling them was because my mom and my stepdad had separated and he had actually moved to another state. And then I don't know how long they were separated, but at some point they were going to get back together and he was going to move back. And so I had actually, one of those friends that I had told was with me and I had a phone conversation with, um, knowing that he was going to come back. And I, I was, I didn't want to face that again. I was at an age where I was kind of more of an understanding and I knew that it was wrong and I knew that it wasn't right and it was not good and I didn't want it to happen. I, not that I ever wanted it to happen, but I knew that if he came back, it would continue and I didn't want that. So I had this phone conversation. One of my friends was with me and I just kind of told him, like, I, I know that you're coming back and, and I'm not going to stop you. Like, I don't have any objections, but you know, this isn't going to happen anymore. Like, and it was really the first time that I had even confronted him about it, you know, like it happened, but it wasn't something we discussed happening, you know? Um, so old
0: were you when you
1: did this? Um, 12, about 12. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so just said, you know, if you ever touch me again, essentially, then I will tell people, and I don't care what happens to you because he didn't, A lot of times you hear stories that the abuser uses fear to stop the child from speaking. You know, if if you tell anybody, I'll hurt you or I'll hurt your family or whatever. Right. For him, it was more of a guilt of like, well, I'll get in trouble and I'll go to jail. And you don't want me to go to jail because I love you and you love me. And it was kind of that. So it was like, you know, if you do this, I will tell. I don't care what happens to you, but I'm not going to continue this this happening because it was such a relief when he left. Yeah. Um, And then made you realize. Yeah. 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 And then the fear of it, you know, just starting back up again and he came back and he didn't from that point. He never touched me, never was inappropriate and actually ended up having a, what I, I would consider a very normal a uh, stepfather stepdaughter relationship. Okay. And I would even say that we were friends and that we, you know, I, I don't know. It's almost like a complete separation of, of one person who is abusing me and this other person who, who wasn't. Right. And so when I was 17, I moved out of my mom's house and actually moved in with a boyfriend who then became my fiance. And then we moved in actually with my stepdad uh, when I was 18 and lived with him for a year. And again, just a completely normal relationship, almost as if, you know, we never had another conversation about it either. Like, it's just like it ended and it was gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is really hard for some people to believe. And another reason that I I still kind of kept my Been story, afraid to say
0: anything. Yeah. Do you think people... We're saying that you were lying.
1: Exactly. Like, that's not true because if she she lived with him. If you did, you
0: wouldn't have lived with him. Exactly.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I got married right after high school graduation, basically. Mm -hmm. I think I graduated in May and we got married in June and (laughs) I was pregnant by November. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So, but after I, so we, you know, hung out with him and even, you know, we lived with him for a year and then we moved out on our own, but still were around him, had family events and you know, visited with his family. It was just a very normal from the outside situation. right? Uh, And then when my daughter was probably just a couple months old, he had come over for a visit and we were just sitting there talking and she was just laying in the floor on her little blanket. And he said, oh, she's just the most beautiful baby I've ever seen in my whole life.
0: And it triggered you.
1: Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think I like Blacked out. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like from it was just this
0: Rushed realization
1: back. of I cannot have this person in my life because I know who he is.
0: Picturing Purpose is now offering commercial advertisement spots. Right now, I will only be accepting local Arkansas or Oklahoma businesses. It's best if I have personally experienced your product or service so I can share. Why I love your business to my podcast audience. Please email me at picturingpurposepodcast at gmail.com for pricing. As the podcast continues to grow, our advertisement space is at an affordable rate. Don't hesitate to reach out.
1: I cannot have this person in my life because I know who he is. And I, as soon as he left, I talked to my husband and I was like, You have to tell him to never. Contact me again. Like, um, and he did. And he never contacted me again. And it was just, just like before when we had the conversation and the abuse stopped and, yeah. you know, we had this conversation, it was just gone. Like, I, he never called me, text me, tried to visit, tried to talk to me, tried to talk to me through anybody So did else. he
0: know, maybe?
1: Oh, he absolutely knew. Okay. I mean, I think, I don't know that he knew that those exact words or that exact moment is what
0: triggered did it. Did it? Yeah. But I
1: think to... To not even have him, like, ask questions or reach out for an understanding, he had to have known, like, why, I think. Right. And so that, gosh, that was, that would have been, like, 2006. Um, and then I didn't hear anything from anybody in his family or anything. And at that point, we, you know, when we were still seeing each other We would go over to like his brother's house for cookouts. And so we were around them and nobody ever reached out to me like, where'd you go or what happened or anything? And so it was about four or five years after that. And I was, I was at work and I was about to leave for the day. So it was like right at five o'clock. Everybody else had already left. And the phone rang, like the work phone. And I wouldn't have even normally answered it because it was after five and I was on my way out, but I picked it up. And it was his brother. Mm. And he was like, hey, I need to ask you something. And I'm like, okay. Um, He's like, well, my other brother told me a story that he heard from your mom. Oh, I guess I need to actually back up a little bit. Sorry, I skipped ahead.
0: Hey, it's Um, all good. (laughs) Rewind.
1: Rewind. Yeah. So I guess... A couple years after I had cut off all contact from him, I ended up in a situation with my mom uh, that was triggering some things for me. And I couldn't explain it to her or to my other family members of why why I was having such a strong reaction to this. And so I actually ended up telling my sister about the abuse. Um, and my sister is just, just under two years older than me. And so honestly, when I told her, and she was so surprised, like she really had no idea. And she was actually apologetic because she she felt jealous of me in childhood because I was closer to him. He would take me hunting and fishing and he would take me, you know, to the grocery store when he went and he wouldn't take her. Not that he denied taking her. It was just never really like an option or or anything that he offered. But she obviously didn't know why he was taking that time away with me. Right. You know, and so the real she, reason. The real reason. Yeah. yeah. And so she was just like, you know, she, she just, it hit her hard because she just felt so guilty that she was jealous or that she had an animosity towards me because of that situation. But of course, I'm like, you, couldn't have possibly known you were also a child. And trust me, any child in that situation would have felt jealousy, would have felt um, unimportant or like Mm -hmm. the other person was uh, more loved or better or whatever than them. And it just simply, you know, wasn't the case. And so with my permission, she actually shared that information with my mom. Unfortunately, it didn't help the situation that I was in, but it didn't matter. My story was out, and I I could breathe almost, right. you know. And so, circling back to yeah, uh, the where phone we call were, at work. yeah, because yeah, I was like, wait. Like, um, so when he called and he said, I heard the story from my brother um, that your mom told him. My mom had actually, I guess, run into the brother in the mall or something, and he was talking about my stepdad. Uh, moving to another state to live with this brother that had called me. And when she heard that, she knew that the brother had small kids and blah, blah, blah. And so she was like, Hey, and she told him about my childhood. Oddly enough, again, like they didn't reach out to me, but they weren't, I wouldn't say they were real big fans of my mom. I mean, just because They were divorced and there was all kinds of, you know, whatever drama. It's always drama. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so I think that they just didn't believe it because it was coming from my mom. And, it, you know, again, like, well, why wouldn't Katrina have told us or why, would you know, or whatever. And so it was kind of like blown off, really. And I don't, again, don't blame them at all. Again, it's a situation where you're hearing something secondhand or whatever. And what do you do with that information?
0: And I think sometimes, especially in that. In those years that you were dealing with all of this, back then it was like, don't, it's almost like blinders on, like where they don't yeah. want to see the truth. So they just kind of mask it.
1: Well, and you're and the, then, this yeah. is your brother. Right. You know this person. You grew right. up with this person. Right. So his ex-wife telling you some crazy story about right. how he's a bad person right? doesn't really...
0: Resignate. So he was calling to see what you were going to say about it. Yes. Okay.
1: So, well, so when my stepdad was going to move in with them or whatever, the daughter started saying things that he wasn't a good person and that she didn't want him to move in with them. And so he was having a conversation with his brother and the brother was like, hey, because you're saying this, I want to let you know that this event happened. And, uh, uh, you know, the story, I heard the story about this. And because your daughter's saying this, I feel the need that maybe, maybe there is something there. And so he told him, anyways, he's like, I need to ask you something. Your mom told my brother that you were abused as a kid, blah, 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 blah. I need to know if it's true because my daughter's saying these things. And of course, I'm just like, yes, it's true. Yeah. And for anybody who's close to anybody, hearing that that person, is has done something awful is really just difficult to understand right and he kind of and again you have to understand he's in this trauma of like oh my gosh my daughter has potentially been abused and this is real and trying to process that while he's on the phone with me because I'm sure he thought he would call me and I would say gosh no you know that right. that's crazy that never happened
0: that's what he was hoping for that's
1: what he was hoping for yeah and so you know he kind of Had a moment where he went off and like, why wouldn't you tell me? Why wouldn't you, you know, share that information and uh, let me know? Because you knew I had small kids and blah, blah, blah. And, And I, you know, I just said, hey, if I had told you at that point, yeah, would you have believed me? He's like, well, I don't know. And I said, okay, let me ask you something. When we disappeared from your life in a split second. Yeah. Did you ask him why? And, you know, he was just like, well, he, he said that your mom caused some drama. And, and so you don't want to be around. Right. let blame own.
0: somebody else. Exactly. It's always what happens. Yes. Yeah. And
1: so, uh, you know, I just said, hey, I, I, you know, would you believe me? And he kind of took a moment and, he you know, he said, no, I, w- I would have just right. blamed your mom and said it was something you made up and and gone on. And I said, so, well, that, that's why. Yeah.
0: Just to be clear. So he... Your stepfather had touched your uncle, so your cousin?
1: Um, so it was his brother's stepchild.
0: Okay, but she came out and said that he yes. did the same to her that he had done to you. Well,
1: and he, she hadn't actually said that at this point. She just okay. said he wasn't a good person. She didn't want him to come live with them, and she really just didn't want to talk. They t- tried to get her to talk but she just didn't want to talk she about wouldn't. it yeah yes and so once he found out and he kind of calmed down he asked me if I would talk to her and of course I'm like well if she wants to talk I don't want to right. push her you know if she only wants if she wants to, to if she's willing to like she didn't really know me at this point this is years and years later she was teeny tiny right. when she would have been around me
0: you didn't have a relationship uh, with her yeah
1: no and so I talked to her, got got her to share details and information, and they went uh, that day to the state. You know, wherever they live, they went to the police station or whatever to file the report. And so, of course, at that point, they you can't say anything cause you want them to be able to t- investigate and get everything that they right. uh, need. Right. And so, you know, uh, I stayed in conversation with them. I helped, I, I talked to her several times. I-, I talked to the police in the state that they lived, uh, ended up, you know, helping with the investigation here. It, it actually, the abuse happened in Crawford and Sebastian County. So there were two separate,
0: right.
1: um, investigations and, When the investigator from here first called me, which was Hobie Runyon, and he just has a special place in my heart because just the way that he dealt with everything was amazing and keeping me updated. And, you know, I told him my story and it ended up that it had been too long for me. So there's a statute of limitations on abuse right? Um, after you turn 18, I think. And I'd have to look it up. I meant to look it up before, but I think it's like five years
0: Wow. So
1: like if you wait 5 years after you turn 18, then you can't file charges.
0: Wow. Which I think
1: is insane and needs to be changed.
0: Yeah, because like there's a certain level of and length of period of time where people kind of mature emotionally, and oh, mentally. Yeah. And sometimes like what would that be? 23 years old? Yeah. Like yes, I didn't, I didn't really start like emotionally maturing until I was maybe 28, 29, yes. maybe 30 even. I know. Maybe
1: still like, I don't know. <laughs> you know yeah. I'm still I mean, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. I'm
0: still kind of going through that and to expect that out of a 23 year old. Like who
1: has faced a traumatic tra- childhood. And, right. you know, and I really even can, I had fully convinced myself that it, I was the only one. That I would be the only one. Right. That there was something specific about me that caused him to do these things to me and that there wouldn't be anyone else. So if it was just me, it wasn't worth pursuing. Right. But the moment it involved somebody else, it was worth it. Right. But even though I couldn't have my own charges brought against him, I was able to play a significant role in getting them information and helping them right. And once they arrested him, um he actually admitted to all of it, even with you uh, yes, even even with me, which wow. you know didn't necessarily matter at the time, but it it was nice to me to have it acknowledged by him, right. I bet that was a good feeling. It was. Yeah. And, and Hobie is actually the one that called me and told me. He's like within five minutes of being in my car, he he had confessed to all of it. So he ended up with multiple uh, felony convictions and went to prison. Um, he was only in prison for about five years, which to me is not <laughs> even remotely close enough. That's crazy. Um, I find it insane that people will go to prison longer for marijuana
0: usage oh yes than... I know it's just it's insane for the, the yeah. amount of things the inju- I mean it's just so full of injustice like oh. don't even get me started on yeah that. no
1: it, it's unbelievable and actually like I guess there was some kind of course or you know like they have like classes or whatever that they take in prison it's supposed to help Reduce the risk of reoffending and different things, and so I guess he he had signed something where if he did all these courses, they actually downgraded his felonies. So he was originally convicted of felony rape, but because he went through all of that, it was uh, downgraded to to sexual assault. Yeah, and which again is not okay with me. Like it is what it is, and uh, especially. You admit it and, you know, he is a registered sex offender. He will be a registered sex offender for the rest of his life. But he, you know, he lives and breathes and works every single day. And, and it's just kind of like, and I know, obviously, it affects him in some way if they do a background check or whatever, but the normal everyday person isn't just looking up and seeing if everyone they meet is a sex offender. Right. I probably do more than most, but, um, you know, I don't think that that, so just, I don't know. Sometimes that's hard or it has been hard in the past of like, he gets to live a normal day. Yeah. I can't imagine.
0: I can't imagine it at all. Yeah. So what happened after, like during his prison time and after prison?
1: So actually not long after I had gotten the original call from his brother, I had actually recently enrolled in UFIS and they have a free counseling thing
0: yeah. for students yeah
1: and i had never done any kind of counseling never talked to a therapist and of course my brother or my sister was like you you need to see a therapist, yeah. you, need see a therapist. <laughs> you need to see a therapist so um you know and i finally i go in and my first appointment they're like okay well why are you here i'm like I other people say I need to see a therapist. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. And so it, that was ended up being a
0: lot of people go in like that. Yeah, but like but- someone told me that I needed to be here.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um. But ended up being just phenomenal. Like I highly, highly, highly recommend therapy, even for people who who had a great childhood and yeah. never feel like they've never faced a trauma like I go think see a therapist. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I think every single person should have a therapist. Yeah, even even if you don't think that your life was like hard or you had any type of childhood trauma, it's just incredible what it can do. And it does it and you know, you don't even have to go every 2 no. weeks. You could go once a month or once every 3 months. I mean, yes. it's just it, it's incredible how much it can help you through like your daily life.
1: Oh yeah. And I and I still see a therapist and there's oh, me too. there's times <laughs> yeah. when I go in and and I just talk the whole time. I'm just Yep. You know, word vomiting everywhere. Yeah. And you feel better. Yeah. Even if that's the only thing that you do. Yeah. It's so nice to get the words out to somebody else who's not judging you, who who's not going to run and tell everybody that they know, because that's always a fear too. Right. Uh, when you share your story.
0: Right. And so,
1: yeah, I just highly, highly recommend. But being with that therapist, working through the, some of the things, you know, I had developed almost a fear of him, which isn't thing because again, there was never, there was never a fear
0: factor to
1: the abuse.
0: Um, it wasn't that way. just kind of like a grooming conditioning type of, type of relationship. Yeah. You love me and you care for me. Right. And you don't, you don't. Manipulation. Yes. Yeah.
1: Very, very, very Ugh. much. And honestly, for the longest time, I had a, a hard time accepting that my trauma was worthy because it wasn't violent. Right. Right. And so that was another thing that kept me from kind of talking about it or or saying, you know, I'm a victim of childhood sexual abuse because you hear these stories that are so much worse, Forced.
0: yes, yeah, yes, mm-hmm. so violent
1: and 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 just awful. And I terrible. think
0: everybody goes through that. Even like people that have gone through a more violent assault, they'll come up with something in their head that they, well, someone else has been through worse, yes. or even someone like me that's never been physically assaulted but i still have like some emotional mental you know type of trauma and i'll it took me a while to go to counseling cuz i was like well i was i don't really have like you know a yes. super traumatic childhood right and so it, you tra- you almost belittle yourself into thinking that you don't need help but really everybody needs help every everybody, single person everybody. needs help Hey Purpose Pleasers, I recently tried out a brand new business in Fort Smith and I am so excited to share it with you. It's called Natural Drip located at 3123 South 66th Street in Fort Smith, Arkansas. This is the one and only natural IV nutrition and hydration provider in the River Valley area and it is helping so many people. Everyone can benefit from natural IV, and it is extremely helpful for chronic illness, fatigue, sickness, dehydration, and so much more. They have several IV drips to choose from. I personally picked the Get Up and Go IV bag that is full of B vitamins, glutamine, lysine, and a bunch of other words I can't pronounce. It's only been five days since my IV, and I can tell a huge difference in my sleep, and I can also tell that my appetite has decreased. The process was so relaxing. I sat in a comfortable lounge chair and had a warm neck pillow to sit back in. It was awesome. What most people won't tell you is that even the healthiest athlete on the planet is probably not receiving high-quality nutrients due to our nutrient depletion in the Earth's soil and foods. Natural Drip fills you with nutrients and hydration, exactly what our bodies were designed to receive. Packages start at $100, buy five and get 10% off of your total or buy 10 and receive 20% off of your total. Natural Drip also provides private parties. The staff is so incredibly kind and I can see that they genuinely want our community to feel their best. The easiest way to find more information or to book your IV drip is through Facebook. Find them at facebook.com slash naturaldripiv to book your appointment today. It, you, tra- you almost belittle yourself into thinking that you don't need help, but really everybody needs help. Every everybody, single person everybody. needs help.
1: And, and regardless of what level that you're saying it's at, your body and your brain and your hormones are still reacting the same way. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing that I want to say, like, is just just because you think somebody has experienced something worse. It doesn't mean that you're not having the exact same trauma response.
0: Yeah. And isn't it something I've I actually probably on TikTok. <laughs> I learned that, like, physical trauma is almost read the same way that emotional trauma kind of kind of like portrays in the body. So someone oh, yeah. that has like chronic pain, it actually isn't always caused from like physical ailments and physical trauma. It could be from emotional trauma. Absolutely. Kind of like when people suffer from like gut health, like IBS and all of those things or I don't want to get into a big conversation about poop, but, you know, people that <laughs> yeah. really struggle with digestive systems, yes. a lot of it has to do with their anxiety and their stress. stress. And it's like once they kind of start improving that, their digestive issues start to subside. And it's crazy that we
1: – Your brain. Right can contort yes everything about your body yeah and yeah when you're when you're depressed i mean you know depression will cause you to just be in overall pain fatigue
0: yes lazy i mean Ugh. it just you start to shut down yeah it's hard to even get out of bed it's hard to go make yourself go for a walk or even just to go outside i mean i could i could get all spiritual on you here but it it really is a a I think it's just like a demonic oppression sometimes yeah. where it just kind of comes in and latches onto you and then it affects your, your physical health, your mental health. And that's why it's so important for us to talk, <laughs> speak words over ourselves, talk to someone that you trust and, you know, continue to try and heal.
1: yeah. Yeah, so anyway, in in my therapy. Yeah, my back family. to your story. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh she she you know, I had said, you know, I, I think that maybe visiting him and seeing him and, and kind of no seeing him would help me back off that fear. Yeah. Um and she encouraged it. You know, of course, only if I was comfortable, she wasn't like, you need to do this, Um, you know, just. And so I filled out the the app or whatever to be able to visit him in prison. What I didn't know is when they were done looking at my app, they gave him my information. And so I get a phone call um, on my personal cell phone from the prison and it's him. And I I was obviously not prepared to have any kind of conversation with him but he, he essentially spent like an hour telling me that he uh, found God and that he had been saved and asking me if I knew Jesus and it was
0: really really hard because from that from your personal perspective like yeah. all the pain that he's put you through like that is yeah from someone looking from the outside in would be like well that's gosh Katrina a good yes. like he's saved and like he's a new person like can't you just forgive him and you're just like uh what excuse yeah. me so <laughs> actually
1: funny you should say that uh, mm-hmm. when we were going through all of the investigation and, and the charges and of course it was released to the public that that he had been arrested and whatever I ended up finding out that he had been involved with a, a church youth group in the area mm-hmm. And so I reached out to the person that was kind of over that and just said, hey, I don't know if you guys are aware of this or whatever, but I wanted you guys to know just so you could kind of touch base with the youth and and make sure that, you know, nobody has suffered anything. And she essentially told me that I wasn't a very good Christian if I helped get him convicted because Christians are to forgive people. Oh, my God. Uh, yes. And so that, again, I was like, okay, but also we have to pay for our sins. Right. And that's like, not only do you pay for them here on earth, but you pay for them later on. Yeah, and there's still judgment. Yes, you yeah. still have to face that. And so anyways, that was really hard again. And it's one of those things that really tests Gosh. your faith when you go... How can these people high in religion, you know, say that? Right. Um and that maybe, probably
0: affected like your your like church hurt. Oh. You know, like where you were so like, I'm much, not gonna be like a part of it. Organized
1: religion was really hard for me for a little while. I never separated from from my my relationship with Jesus, but I was like, I was done with church. Yeah. If that's how church people feel about my trauma and about protecting other people, I don't right. want any part of it. Right. Um, so, yeah, that was really hard. And so for me, actually, previous to this abuse with this um, this other little girl happening, he had actually supposedly found Jesus and had changed. And we had had that conversation. He was in church and blah, blah, blah. And that was before the secondary abuse occurred. Right. And so for me, obviously, I'm like, yeah, well,
0: I've heard that before. You know, yeah. <laughs> In this moment where he told you that he had found God and, like, he was a changed man, like, did he, did he ask for your forgiveness? Like, did he admit to his wrongs and say, like, hey, like, you know, see, here's a difference for me. (laughs) It's if there's one situation where he reached out and said, I'm a changed man and, like, I love the Lord now. And, like, do you know the Lord? And then that's it. Versus someone going. I'm a re- like, I've really changed and the Lord has really worked in my life and I'm saved and I am, I'm forgiven by him and you can do what you want with this, but I'm so sorry for what I did to you. And you know, like you don't, of course have to forgive me but i just need to apologize to you like there's two different oh, ways
1: absolutely of doing that
0: absolutely. and i'm sure that second one would have been more healing for oh, you versus for sure. the first yes
1: and no it was there was no apology there was no owning right um, mistakes it was just like oh well
0: i'm i'm good to well go. God right. god's forgiven me so yeah yeah, yeah it oh, was insane. that's irritating yeah
1: <laughs> And it was numbing and just like, I just couldn't, but, you know, it was caught me off guard anyways. But then it was just like, yeah. what is happening right now?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so, yeah, then I didn't have anything to do. You know, I, uh, he did try to call a few other times, but I did not take the call because that conversation was enough for me to remember just how weak of a person he was and and, and who he was. And know right. that that whatever I had conjured up in my head was just not real. So that was enough for me. My healing had occurred. I knew, I knew where I was in it and I knew my friends. Right. And so I didn't, I didn't need to have another conversation with him. And so then, you know, he was in uh, prison for, uh, I think, roughly five years. And then he got out and I didn't see him. Thank goodness. Cause he, he does live in the area and work in the area. Actually ended up getting a, a like seasonal job at Kohl's and, my second day there. Oh, and now no. he's been out for a year, haven't seen him, haven't heard anything. He walks in the store.
0: Ugh.
1: I mean, and it was one of those moments where, like, obviously you're not prepared at all. And I just went to the, like, I saw him and just ran to the back room. Now, this is my second day on the job. Yeah. These people have just met me. I am losing my mind in the back of the, like, customer service area, just like hyperventilating, you know? And of course, then I have to tell them why i don't have to i mean but it's like i'm gonna tell you i'm an adult i've dealt with these and and my manager was phenomenal i mean he was like not have to talk to him you do you you can stay back there um do you want us to ban him from the store do oh, you i mean and it was just like that's amazing it, oh it it was the absolute best thing that could have happened for me in that moment to have somebody fully support me who didn't know me who right. just met me right. and it wasn't it didn't matter because my trauma was important and my story was important and they were willing to stand up for me
0: mm, shout is, out to Coles
1: yeah exactly i know
0: <laughs> Yay. yeah it was it was That's great. so awesome
1: yes and so and since then i have not seen or, or heard anything from him thankfully
0: did he see you
1: i i think that he saw me but again we're talking like He hadn't seen me at this point in 10 years. Right. Um, So I don't know that he would have even like recognized me. Right. But I mean, he, he saw, I know that he looked over in that direction, but I don't know that he realized who it was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that's That's it. it.
1: That's it. And Um, then what led
0: you, what led you to wanting to share your story?
1: You know, for about five years, I have had this just huge push from God to, to share my story and I have like generalized anxiety disorder and, and, uh, social anxiety and I'm just not good, um,
0: being in the people. spotlight. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, again, childhood trauma, like, I don't want people looking at me or judging me or like, yeah, being right. in the spotlight, uh, Even as a kid, like people singing happy birthday at parties, oh, it's the worst. And so, you know, I'm going, okay, God, you're, no, you're, you're not, you're not being serious right now. Like you can't actually be asking me to stand up in front of people and say words
0: that are personal
1: to me. And so he tends to
0: push people. To yes, things like that. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: And I have a, I guess, a, 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 an odd relationship with God or Jesus. A lot of people are like, you know, father. He's a father figure, and I think because of my childhood trauma, that's just not that's not who he is to me. He is my friend. He is my best friend. And when I talk to Jesus, we talk like friends. Yeah, and I argue with him, and I fight with him. <laughs> And he knows it, <laughs> yeah,
0: and I think that's okay. I think that's just you know if that's how you want to because he is a friend
1: well, and I just my biggest thing he meets you where you are,
0: so yeah. it doesn't
1: matter um actually uh the shack the book um when I was reading that and you know
0: that that he
1: he uh comes out as uh the the African American woman and presents himself to the day I don't know if you read the book I haven't uh, but he he Jesus is represented as a, a a large black woman Yeah, in, in the book. Yeah. And it, it took me a minute. And I was like, wait, what? But it means so much because he explains, I appeared this way because I knew that you would accept me this way and that you would talk to me this way. And then I could connect with you this way. Yeah. And so for me, it's like Jesus is whoever yeah. needs to be for right. you in whatever moment you're in. And it's so, so good. there's no good there, or there's no, there's no right or wrong way um, as long as you're good and you have that connection and that's, that's all that matters. That's
0: such a good thing to talk about because I think so many people struggle with the idea of a father relationship because yeah. they always relate it to like their earthly father relationship. And so someone that, you know, has trust issues with their father, you know, they're going to have trust issues with God yeah. or someone that has maybe someone that always felt like they had to uh, achieve things in order to receive love from the earthly father that's how Absolutely. they feel with God it always correlates it's so strange if you really think about it so if you're listening try and think about that like the way <laughs> yeah. that you the way that your relationship is with God like what was your earthly you know uh, father like Growing up, uh, because they're probably very similar, but to have the option of saying, "God is my friend," even though we know subconsciously He's the Father, He's God, He, I'm, you're my friend right now. Yeah. like I can't I can't acknowledge you as that right now and he understands oh like, yeah you know he knows who, all yeah who knows 10 15 years from now you could be have the capability to say father versus friend right there's no telling but that's just so cool to me that he is so loving and he does want to meet you where you are it's not about you know how you say it and what you do All right, that's the end of part one. Make sure you listen in for part two next Wednesday. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like more information on this podcast, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Picturing Purpose Podcast. Find us on Anchor as well as every major streaming service. If you are excited for this journey and want to see this podcast thrive, there are many ways you can help. The most simple thing you can do is by leaving a five-star review on your streaming service of choice. Reviews help podcasts so much. Another easy thing, anytime you see a post from the Picturing Purpose Podcast social media pages? Please comment, like, and share. This generates a bigger audience and brings more listeners. You never know, one of your friends may need to hear an encouraging word. I need daily motivation myself. Last but definitely not least, if you want to see this podcast fulfill its purpose, your donations are incredibly appreciated. Keeping the podcast up and running is an extra cost I have taken on and will continue to do as needed. I know that God will always provide because this podcast is His. Not only will donations go to the making of the podcast but picturing purpose will be blessing a portion of its monthly earnings to people in need whatever god puts on my heart is where the money will go there is no donation too small and you can also set up recurring payments even five dollars a month would be super helpful If you are unable to donate, your prayers are powerful. Please pray for this podcast and that it continues to serve its purpose and spread the love of Christ. Our hope is that Picturing Purpose is an encouragement to anyone that needs it and that we create strong, confident, and motivated disciples. Thank you for your support.